0: I want to welcome you all here tonight. Uh, our scripture tonight is Genesis 1 verse 27. And then we skip ahead into the New Testament to the book of Acts, chapter 2 verses 14 to 21. And you can follow along on the slides, or also the, the Pew Bibles are also NIV, if you want to keep them open as we uh, go through the word tonight. Genesis 1 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And then Acts chapter 2, verses 14 to 21, starting in verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This ends the reading of the word of the Lord. Uh, I want to welcome you, all of you here tonight. If you're visiting for the first time, you've been here many times before, we just want to welcome you. We're so glad you're here with us tonight. Um, We're in a series right now, a year-long series called Rooted. And tonight, this month, we're going to be talking about equality. Equality. Uh, we're also going to be talking about this word called egalitarian, which means equality. And specifically in the realm of ministry, tonight we're, we're, we're kind of honing in on the issue of gender uh, equality. This is a big issue, uh, not just in the church, but in culture. And, and here we are on the, the heels of Easter. And uh, as we look at the book of Luke, coming up to the very end of it, we end up with God Hanging on a dead tree on a garbage mound. Then he's taken and he's put into a tomb. Jesus is put into a tomb. And then God comes out of the tomb. In a sense, he turns the tomb into a garden, and something is getting ready to grow. Something is getting ready to blossom. Something is getting ready to take off. And as we go from the book of Luke, which Luke authors, to the book of Acts, which he also authors, Right in the first chapters, we're seeing this thing begin to take off. And it's 50 days after Jesus' ascension that this thing called the Holy Spirit comes. There in Jerusalem. And it says they were gathered. The apostles, the disciples, the followers of Jesus were gathered. And that the Spirit came on them. And this is uh, earlier in uh, chapter 2 of the book of Acts that the Spirit came on them. It was like tongues of fire. And all these people were gathered there in Jerusalem, began to gather around, and these people started speaking in languages that they didn't even know. And so people are like, these people are drunk. It's 9 in the morning. Sunfest has not started yet. And these people, there's something has to be going on with these people. They are like, they're, they're, they're drunk. But I want to ask you a question as we dive into the text tonight. Maybe you are different than me. But when you think about the followers Jesus gathered there, when you think about the people that were there in Jerusalem that were beginning to speak these things that God was saying through them, who do you see there? Just imagine it in your, in your mind for a second. Who do you see there Speaking these things of God to the crowds. This will be my question for you. Is do you see women? And if you were raised like me. And you had some of the issues that I have. Not until recently. Did I see women there? Speaking. Prophesying. That God was speaking through these women. Um, I was in training in um, very early on in, in my uh, life. I, I went to an all-boys uh, school, private school. And um, then I spent some time in um, a context where it's kind of a machismo culture, if you will. And, um, and then I went to New York. And I began to, well, actually, I went to a college in a tradition that said women shouldn't speak in the church, that women shouldn't be ordained. And some of you may be from that tradition. And just, just for you to know, you can be in this church and not affirm what I'm about to say. Just know that the pastor, this guy affirms it, and uh, the denomination that this church is a part of affirms it. Because we're all in different places in our journey. So I just want you to know, I know that, that from some, this is a complex issue. Um, but for me, in my tradition, I was trained that, You know, in the church, women do not preach. And it it really fit into many of the things that I had experienced um, in my life. Then I went to training in New York City to learn how to become a church planner. And uh, it was an incredible time. One of the things I learned there was when you go into a city, you have to learn to listen. You have to learn to listen to the city. So um, I knew nothing about finance at all. Uh, I have such a low financial IQ, it's really sad. And I was planning on buying the wall street journal and getting a book called finances for dummies. And that's what I was going to do, you know, to think, you know, to make the people think that I knew what I was talking about in the financial industry there in Miami and Brickell, which is the largest international banking center in our country. So, you know, I, I, what was I thinking, right? And these really wise people at, at Redeemer in New York City said to me, Keith, please don't do that. Please don't think that you can raise the bar by reading the Wall Street Journal and Finances for Dummies. It's just not going to happen. But what you can do, which you are really gifted at doing, is you can take people out to dinner or out to lunch from J.P. Morgan or Deutsche Bank or Merle Lynch or whoever it is, And you can ask them, what is it like to work in the financial uh, district of Miami? What is it like to work for HBC? What is it like to work uh, in the courthouse in downtown Miami? What is it like to work for Jackson uh, Hospital, for the UM? What is it like? So I did this. And I began talking to people and, and really hearing their stories. And I began to start hearing themes. And one of those themes was from the women. And the theme was to be a woman in, in the industries here in Miami is very challenging. Uh, one, one woman in particular, she was a lawyer, African-American woman, graduated from Yale. Apparently, that's the top in the nation, I guess. And she got the, the highest clerkship in the city of Miami, which is a big deal. I, I didn't know that was like a cool thing to be a clerk, so that was like a big deal. And uh, as I was getting to know her and her story, she was telling me, you know, Keith, for me, if I get married if I begin to have kids, all of that in the courtroom begins to become a weakness for me. And so I'm understanding uh, my Christian uh, role as a a man. If I have some sort of power, that I'm supposed to leverage that to give it away to other people. And so here I am, I'm listening to this woman. She's brilliant, obviously. Um, but I'm thinking, okay, how can I leverage some of my influence, some of my relationships to help this woman navigate this? So I start trying to connect her with different lawyers, other women in D.C. or New York or Chicago, wherever it is, who've navigated this thing that she, so that she can become more successful, so that she can have a greater platform. And this thing happened to me as I began to enter into more and more of those conversations as I'm sitting there trying to elevate and create platforms for the the female voice in these industries to be heard, I turned around and looked at my tradition that I was coming from. And I couldn't even think of a female voice, meaning I couldn't think of a female author. There were some uh, women who had written under men. and I'm sure there's, there's some out there who've done, uh, you know, children's books and things like that. But I couldn't even think of one. Like, where was the multitude of voices? There are tons of men. Where was the multitude of female voices? And I began to think, oh, man, these women that I've met in these industries have enriched my life. They have given me perspective. They have helped me to see things that I was so blind to in society, in culture, in the world. They have inspired me. They have um, given me a new imagination in many ways, and I would look back at my church and I was like, where are these voices? What have we been missing out on in the tradition that, that I was a part of for so long? I would say we were emaciated because we have not heard these voices. And it's not just in this particular tradition, even the tradition I'm in part of now, it's not just feminine, though that's what we're talking about tonight, but it's generational. It's ethnic. It's national. That the church is a global body if we are not hearing the voices of our global brothers and sisters outside of our denominational lines, we are missing out. We are missing out. So I want to confess to you that as I was growing up and as I was reading the scriptures, when I read the resurrection story, I didn't see the significance of Mary Magdalene being the first one to see Jesus' resurrected body. I didn't realize that she was, by definition, the first apostle, witness to the resurrection, who then became an apostle to the apostles. I just kind of like skipped over that part. And I skipped over the women of faith who were listed in Jesus' genealogy these towers, these women of incredible courage, incredible strength, I missed those women. I miss Mary's significance in her song that we prayed a part of tonight. And if you want to go even back further, I miss the courage of Eve that in the face of the curse, she would give birth to new life. Holding on to the promise. That in the face of the curse, she would give birth into that. Believing that somehow, in some way, this new life was going to bring about a cure. Was going to bring about healing for the world. Even as she understood it was going to cost her so much. I was in a train yesterday Uh, subway, and the guy I was riding next to turned to me and said that Rachel Held Evans had died. And I was like, what? I was shocked. Um, Rachel Held Evans is a a woman who's written, I mean, it's been unbelievable to see the outpouring on social media for this woman. Um, She was considered a progressive by many Um, but people from all denominations across conservative, progressive lines are saying this woman outloved her critics. Conservatives, progressives, liberals, whatever, multiple denominations, all affirming this woman's gift that she was to the conversation, to the discussion, to the exploration of what does it mean to live out this Christian faith. She fought for the people on the fringes. She fought so hard for the people on the fringes. And I was just in shock when when my friend told me. And I have been sad since. And the more I've seen the impact that this woman had, I mean, people from all walks of life, responding to this woman's death, thank you, thank you, thank you for what you did. And one thing I would say that Rachel Held Evans did that so many of us need to learn how to do is she knew how to love people that she disagreed with. I pray that our church can be a place like that. Even if we disagree on certain issues that we know how to love each other. Through those disagreements but what a woman of courage what a significant part of this tree called the church that Rachel is and was as we come to the text Peter stands in verse 14 and raises his voice saying fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem these people are not drunk He said, this is what Joel the prophet said. That's what's happening. What Joel had said, that God is going to pour out my spirit on the kids, the sons and daughters, male and female, young and old. And in verse 18, he revisits that idea, that God is going to pour out his spirit on men and women. On men and women. Now there are uh, some religions today, some of which that we are involved with, that we're trying to build bridges with, that have different views of women than I do. In fact, if you go to uh, prayer services at some of these other religions, uh, only men will be in the prayer service. And if you look back on the history of Israel and their religion uh, at the time of Jesus, there were certain things that women would have been excluded from some of the most radical things that we see happen in Jesus' life involve the ways in which he treats women, one of which is when he has the interaction with Martha and Mary. And Martha, you remember this story is always told about how you know, Martha is like the busy bee and she's running around cooking and cleaning and doing all this stuff. And Mary's the one who comes and sits at Jesus' feet and that's what we all need to do. We need to slow down and quit being so busy and sit at Jesus' feet and meditate. On Jesus, right? That's good. That's, that's, that's pretty good, right? But if, you, if that's all you see, you're going to miss the radical news and the radical thing that happens in that story. And that is that the only people who sat at the feet of a rabbi when he was teaching would be future rabbis. The only reason someone came into the room and sat at the feet of the rabbi was not just because they wanted to learn a little Bible story to get more, into, uh, more educated, but it was because they were sitting because they wanted to learn to be like that rabbi. So Martha's, Martha's engagement with Mary there probably has more to do with, Mary, what are you thinking? And Jesus says, Mary is right where she's supposed to be. Jesus is beginning to change things in a way in which the religious culture, the societal culture is not ready for. See, when Jesus went out and he picked all the the men, there were things about them that were surprising. For example, they were fishermen, some of them. Uh, One of them was a zealot. Uh, Another one was a tax collector. And they were all followers of Jesus until right there at the end... Right? When things got really hard, they ran away and they hid. And guess who shows up on the scene? The women. The women are the ones who show up on the scene. Now, some will tell you that part of the reason that women were able to do that was because at that time, uh, women were able to pass through the streets and they were not considered a threat. Only the men were considered a threat. That's why the men had to hide. But as you continue to read the story of Jesus' tree that's beginning to grow, this family that's beginning to grow, as you read in and you begin to look at Paul and his life and where he was going, that he was going to arrest men and women. And why was Paul going in the early church to arrest men and women? Because in the church, Women had become leaders. Women had become a threat to the empire. The religious empire, the national empire. Jesus had ignited a movement. I want you to think about a word right now capital. Not state capital, but capital, as in like assets. When you think of the word capital, what's the first thing that you think of? When you think of the word capital, what's the first word that you think of? What do you say? Money. Right? I want to expand your imagination now just for a second, okay? I want you to think about capital in the sense of human assets that are in this room right now. And when I say human assets, I mean the gifts that are in this room right now. In fact, you don't have to do this, but if you were going to do it, take out a piece of paper and write down some some of the assets that you have that you are contributing now to society through your work, through your career. If you were just to write those down, assets that I bring into this room, Those are just your gifts. Well, expand that to not just the assets that you have, the gifts you have, but also the relational capital that you have. Think about the people that you know of influence and write those people down. As you begin to think about how many assets are in this room, how much capital is in this room, how many gifts are in this room, Begin to imagine if we began to use these gifts, use these assets together for the sake of our city, for the sake of all in our city, how different our city could look. The capital in this room is not just financial. There is major, major capital here. And one of the things that I'm healing from and one of the things that I'm hoping if it's it's been an issue for you that you are healing from here tonight as we unpack this text is that if you are a woman, the assets, the capital that you have here in this room matter just as much as anyone else's. And we need them. The church needs them. Think of all the women leading industries in society today. What if that began to be unleashed in the church? And for some of you, some of you women, that you would be thinking, praying, not just that you would contribute the assets out here for the city, but that you could actually begin contributing assets from up here from where I'm standing. As I mentioned, I was uh, in Atlanta this past week with an organization called Made to Flourish, and there are people there from multiple denominations. Uh, They practice what I would consider a generous orthodoxy, so that allows for people who are multiple denominations, everything, and um, there's a lady from our denomination, from ECO, named Nancy Ortberg, and she was speaking, and she's like this incredible speaker. And this one friend of mine in front of me, he's a part of a church that doesn't affirm women's ordination, but everybody's laughing. People are beginning to cry. I mean, this woman is just like slaying it, you know, like people are being convicted, repenting. And I just leaned up and I just like massaged his shoulders a little bit. I was like, feel yourself slowly affirming women's ordination. And and I think it freaked him out a little bit, but... um, (laughs) We're still friends. But Nancy Orberg, she said this incredible thing. She said, The fringes of society, the fringes of society are the center of the kingdom of God. What is the church doing with the fringes? She said, Don't make this a white collar movement. Now, y'all, I got to be honest. I'm trained to work with future white-collar professionals. I need help learning how to train blue-collar professionals. That's been my narrative, helping white-collar professionals. Nancy Ortberg expanded my mind. She expanded my imagination. Her voice. As so often is the case for me. And when I'm in, I'm just telling you from experience, when I am in rooms with men, we get really excited about building things, about doing things, and then it's a woman who goes, well, this is in a church. I think we ought to pray about this. It happened more than once for me. To ground us, to speak into that process, we got to go downtown after Nancy preached, and I got to visit this place. Um, some of you may know uh, Show Baraka. Not, I know I'm not probably saying that correctly, but uh, did an album with Lecrae. Yeah, I, I'm not, I've listened to, like, a Lecrae song, I think, before. But I, I'm kind of out of that scene. But amazing guy, really cool stuff that they're doing. And then this, this lady got up after him, and she works for this organization called Centerforum. And they're, they're in this building in downtown Atlanta, and they're doing these incredible things where, for example, if you are, let's say, a graduate of PBA, and you get a job here, it's not what you really wanted, but you're working for some, you know, corporate America, you're going in, punching a clock, nine to five, but really, really, you want to be a photographer. That's your dream. These people are developing cohorts, six-weeks to eight-week cohorts that you can go be a part of with 10 to 15 other people. And they will train you how to become a professional photographer. You want to be a filmmaker. They'll train you how to be a filmmaker. They'll train you how to launch your own business. We've had people in this church launch their own businesses. I have limited understanding of doing that in the business world. I can start churches. I can start nonprofits. But in the business world, that's a new one for me. I wish I had more training in that area. I wish there was somebody here who could help train the men and women in this church who want to start businesses so that we can launch you, so we can celebrate you, so we can support you. And that's what they do. They help these people launch businesses. And then they have capital available. They have capital available to support these people. And that woman quoted Walter Brueggemann to us. She said, we know how to implement, but what we need to learn is how to imagine. We need help with our imagination. We need to learn to imagine again. One of my prayers for our church is that we would be a place where you could begin to imagine again about things that you think are absolutely impossible, but they are not impossible in the kingdom of God. That as you hear the word of God preached and as you learn these biblical principles that God has laid out for us, you begin to apply those to your mind. They begin to set you free, to dream dreams, to have visions of things that you think are impossible. That was really the work of the prophet. The prophet is speaking about imagination, about things that are coming that people can't even see yet. We need people in this room to begin to dream prophetically about the kingdom of God in this world and what it would look like. And I pray our church would be a part of that. And in many ways, I think that it already is. Um, Brene Brown says that vulnerability is the birthplace of creativity. And if you were at Story Group Retreat or you've been in Story Group under Sarah Clare's leadership, she's led us into this space, into the space of vulnerability that's leading to creativity that's leading to the creation of new things. And that's a piece of it. And so I give thanks. I know I don't think I thanked her last week after Stoiger group retreat, so thank you to her for, for her work in that area. If you see her, please tell her thank you. Um, and as we think about this new year, new series that will start up in September, one of the things that we are really gonna be going after is our imagination. There's a woman here um, in our church, actually. She's not here right now. She's on her way back from Orlando. But she is um, full of so much life. She's uh, a professor at PBA. She's always recruiting men into her field. Um, and she not only does that, but when I went to, to this performance that, that she had cu- uh, choreographed a team that was, or a, a company that was performing there, um, all the people sitting on stage from all the different dance companies in South Florida were all talking about partnerships they had done with her over the years. They were like, oh, yeah, yeah, when I did this thing with blah, 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 blah. And, when, uh, uh, and they were all talking about her. And she was just smiling, you know, smiling. She always, like, bright smile, right? Not only does she do that, but she also has people come to her house, like dance companies come to her house, and she has a hot tub that has a sound system. And if you're a dancer and you get to go to somebody's house after you've been performing all week, two or three times a week, to a hot tub that has a sound system and an LED light show, people. It has an LED light show. And this woman is a priest. She is also a prophet. She sees something, a potential here in our city that nobody else really can see that West Palm can be a birthplace for dance, that it could be a hub for creative dance, that it could be a leader for dance. Her students love her. She's a church planner in the dance community. Her name is Jen Hanley. She's with my daughter right now, driving back from Orlando. The whole time they've been there, she sends us pictures of Kyla performing and dancing, like, look at your girl, look at, she's caring for the parents. She's caring for my daughter. She's caring for our city. This incredible, inspiring woman is bringing justice in a way to our city. In verse 19, Joel the prophet, as Luke is writing and quoting him, I will show wonders in heaven above And signs on earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. Justice is coming. Verse 20, judgment is coming. And if you want to understand this text, it seems really dark because it's like blood and fire and all this kind of stuff, right? Um, For the prophet Joel, for the nation of Israel, Israel is a minority, And when he's speaking these things, he's saying that the oppressors of the minority group, the oppressors of Israel, they are going to face judgment before God. They are the ones who are going to face judgment before God. Well, what's wild is in this country, Christians, we're not a minority. Where is the tangible evidence of the kingdom of God in our industries, in our cities, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, because of our faith. One of the statistics that they brought out to us is that, this is from Barna, a third of Christians, only a third of them, believe that their faith in their, uh, has a real impact on their work. I'm sorry, a fourth. And there's a whole third that don't think their faith has anything to do with their work at all. And we have a problem. And we are called to be about bringing justice. In the book of Joel, it was was kind of a negative emphasis, right, on the blood and the smoke and everything else. But at this time, when the tree is being born, justice is coming that's not just a negative, that's positive. It's going to bring new life. It's going to bring new life. That Christ would lose his life for the sake of us, that we would find it, that we would have life. If you value this idea of kingdom justice, it's going to cost you. And the way you know, you know that it will cost you is when it begins to hurt. For me, the process, it sounds really weird, the process of me realizing that we need more feminine, female voices here in the church has been painful for me. It's been painful for me to realize the way in which I've limited the way I view my daughter's. But God has begun to heal me and see things in a whole new way. It's not that it's not going to be painful, but the way of Christ does set us free. Let us pray.